Hey, what's up? It's me, David, host of the First Four Years podcast. Carving out your own path as a creative professional or an entrepreneur is not just a simple to follow process. It's an unfolding journey of self-discovery, learning, and development. So think of this podcast as a journal of that process, what it's really like in the early phase of starting out and building your own path as a creative today. And if you're coming with me on that journey, let's take that next step forward. Welcome to the first four years. All right, I am uh, excited about this episode. I'm here with somebody who's been a coach of mine for the last four years who has really seen, or three years, I think, actually, but you've really seen my uh, business career, I suppose, take shape. And the reason I'm excited to have you, Chris McAllister, on this podcast is I wanted to introduce the first four years listeners to some of the early concepts that I became aware of through your work and your assistance and leadership um, in the early days of starting out that kind of led me on this path of awareness and uh, growing my company. Um, And so, yeah, really excited about today's episode. We've got Chris McAllister on the show. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a leadership coach. Um, Chris, do you want to say hey for everybody? It's just so excited and can't believe how far we've come from uh, that first exercise where I had you meet me in the woods and we built that beaver dam and uh, you've just followed along since then. So it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, the beaver dam is what that, what started everything. I think there was a metaphorical beaver dam in the sense that you opened the floodgates of uh, sort of this self-awareness uh, process for myself. So I'm glad you mentioned that that metaphor. <laughs> Um, I don't even know where the randomness of that came from, but let's just aim that today's podcast will be dissected on the dissect podcast and they'll see seven layers in that statement that we never meant. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have another podcast that makes this sort of meta and uh, people can dive deeper in that way. But so I've I've been in uh, I've been doing a series of podcasts about mindset. And the reason I think it's so important is for people who are starting their own project, for people who are starting their own business, I think there's two kind of critical factors that need to be in play. The first is people just need to be able to keep going. Like people need that longevity to keep showing up even though it's stressful, even though it's hard, even though there's barriers. Um, And the second thing is the more aware they are of themselves, the more natural the project is gonna be for who they are and they can avoid getting themselves into places down the road that actually I don't want to say hurt them, but put them in a place where they didn't expect to be, even though they'd been putting in all this work. And so I think establishing or building a mindset for yourself um, helps you with those two factors and it helps you grow in a positive way. And I think there's nobody better that I can talk with on the show about mindset. Um, And so what I wanted to do was kind of bring it back to what it looks like for somebody who's just getting started on this path. And I think the easiest way to kind of illustrate that is most people wake up to seeing that they need to change a habit or change a pattern or do something differently when they get stuck or when they realize something just isn't working and they're at a decision point. And so um, for you, when you're starting to work with people, when you're starting to work with a new client on assisting them, what is like the first simple thing that you do to understand where someone's at 
um, and to start that process of uh, maneuvering to their next step? Yeah. I, the first thing is just helping the unconscious become conscious. And this became really clear to me um, even last week. So my oldest daughter, she, my oldest child, she's 15. Oldest child I know of, just kidding. Uh, and so I, I don't really mean that. Uh, but so anyway, she's 15 and she's learning how to drive. And so she'll ask questions about things that I do that I don't even know that I'm doing while I'm driving. Um, and it's like, and then if I forget to do something that she's learning, like, hey, you didn't put your left turn signal on right there. I was like, yeah, there's nobody behind me. And, you know, I'm explaining all the reasons. But for her, it's all becoming very conscious. And so she's noticing everything. And what's happened for all of us is we've just, we've accumulated so much life and our brains can't handle all of the blitz of information. We've moved so much into the unconscious that the first thing that I'm wanting to do is just to get people to notice, notice anything. It could be as simple as the way you walk into a room, how you feel. Uh, yes, there's a lot of deep ways we go about it, but that's the key starting point. So what you're saying is that typically people, when they're starting to get stressed about their work, maybe they have a huge decision on their hands. Like, should I stay at this job or should I leave? Should I uh, marry this person or should we break up? The first thing that sort of needs to happen is people are just feeling uncomfortable, but they're not really sure what's driving um, that feeling. And so what you help people do is see clearly what it is um, that's actually underlying that discomfort. Is that a good way of putting it? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's like my daughter's going to notice when we're driving if I'm driving with an intensity to get somewhere or if it's a laid back approach. And, uh, if I'm, if I'm in an ins, if I'm in a place that, oh my, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late, uh, then I'm going to hold the steering wheel too tight. Um, and I'm going to either take chances that I shouldn't be taking as a driver or fail to watch out for things that I should like giant four way stoplights when you're going through those. So I'm going to either take chances I shouldn't make moves I shouldn't or, um, not watch out for things like I should. I'm going to miss cautions that I need to notice uh, because of this anxiety of I've got to I've got to get to this place on time. And so, anytime you're making a big decision uh, like the job, do I stay? Do I go? The girlfriend, the boyfriend, do I break up? Do I not? When the anxiety is there about that decision, you're going to do those two things. Like with driving, you're going to take chances you shouldn't, uh, or you're going to um, miss cautions you need to notice. I think that's, I think this is a huge, huge point that you just made, which is it's sort of the downside of not having that awareness. So most people I think can relate to this and understand it. It's how I got started sort of on my own journey was when I was stressed enough, when I felt like there was a big fork in the road, that's when I realized I needed, I needed help. Um, I wasn't sure what that meant, but there was just this feeling of like, I'd been going down this path. I'd been driving without understanding. I'd been clenched up. Um, I didn't feel like I was in some type of control of where my life was headed. And that's what led me to seek out someone like yourself who could help me see 
um, some of the mistakes I've been making in the past that were leading me where I was now, and potentially some of the mistakes I was going to keep making if I didn't become aware of uh, some of those patterns. Exactly. It's like if you, if, if, if there's a four-way stop that's really big near your house that sometimes wrecks happen at, and if you don't go through that defensively, um, there's a pattern that you're going to have something devastating happen to you. So, so let's notice that. Let's drive through giant four-way stops, like looking both directions, just letting off the gas for a second just to make sure, and then press the gas again to go back through. Uh, that's good defensive driving. Go ahead. Th- this is what a coach does then. So th- a coach is somebody who's like, I think, I think this example of, um, being at a crossroads is very relevant for a lot of people. I think almost all of us in some area of our life have, uh, a crossroads somewhere where we want to dive into a certain direction, but we're unsure. We don't know, um, which direction is going to be right for us or not. And what you're saying is what a coach really helps do. And I think this is true. What, what you help me with is that you help them sort of through that decision of, should I turn left or should I turn right? Here's the pros and cons of how to do that. Here are the uh, mistakes you might be making along the way that you should avoid. Um, there's a banana peel on the road and you should probably drive around that. Um, that's kind of what a coach does then. Exactly. Well, and and the thing about taking chances I shouldn't when you're going through that four-way stop and it starts to turn yellow uh, and you're like, I'm just going to push the gas hard. No, no, no. This is a giant, big four-way stop. Don't do that here. There's other places that you could do that pattern recognition and it's not a big deal, but here it is. Um, Or there are plenty of people and I tend to work with entrepreneurial ambitious people, but there are plenty of people that uh, come to the light and they know it's going to turn yellow and they actually slow down too much too soon um, and and hurt their progress and can even endanger themselves and those around them from driving too cautiously. Um, and, and so, of course, all this makes me think of the George Carlin bit about everybody that drives faster than you is a jerk. Everybody, <laughs> everybody that drives slower than you is an idiot. You're the only one that knows the perfect speed to drive. But... Um, but it's this idea that uh, when you are driving, if there's an anxiety there, you're going to get locked up and you're not going to be able to be in a place that you're relaxed with it, knowing where you are, what's happening, what you want. Uh, why do you want it? Is it a good or a bad thing? You know, and, and you start diving into that without some kind of anchor point that can even create more anxiety. So it's like, it's like people that want to be productive. I want to be productive. I'm anxious that I'm not productive. I'm anxious now about reading 10 articles on productivity. Well, the best I've ever learned about productivity is by challenging myself with ambitious goals to get a lot done. Um, I, I can learn things from an article, but it's actually the doing of it. And so people like yourself, you're putting yourself out there. You're doing. You're going to learn more faster if you just start to pay attention and then recognize patterns. So let's let's bring this, I think this metaphor will be useful sort of as we continue this conversation. I think it's great to sort of understand um, what, it is, what it is that you help people with and where your clients are kind of at, which is uh, they're on this journey, you're helping them um, you know, drive at the appropriate speed, stop when they need to stop, take the right turn when they should re- take a right turn. Um, I wanna get into like some real examples 
Um, we could use some from me if we want to use just like my actual example or some you know fictional example of what it looks like when someone's at a crossroads and how they became aware and made a better decision um, and became more of like a natural driver. We'll get to that in a second. Can you explain just really quickly um, what your coaching programs look like and just give me like the framework of what it is that you offer um, as a product for people to purchase? Yeah, so the starting point is a coaching program that's 12 weeks where we help people figure out really at the core, who am I? How do I amplify that into what I do so that my doing is an authentic expression of my being? And that's not just woo-woo language. Like That's like super dialed in and tight for people that are happy about where they're headed and happy getting there. There's a sense of joy about the pursuit they're on, and there's a sense of joy about the very pursuit. It's not an anxious, insecure pursuit. And then they enjoy the relationships that uh, are around them while they make that journey and the end goal of what they want to see happen, happen in those relationships. So for me, it's just helping people break it down into who they are, what they do, and then the relationships that are around them. Why, and so what I walk people, go ahead. I was going to say, so why do these people come to you? Like you, mm. you help them figure out who they are. You help them figure out what work they should be doing that's natural to them, how they build relationships around that work. Um, that's sort of this positive journey for them and not one that feels like a journey of fear. Who, who are the people and, um, or what types of people and what are they bringing to you when they show up? Are they saying I'm at a crossroads? Are they saying I've been stressed out? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, two types. And then I could give like four or five scenarios for both of those types. That'd be great. But okay. So one type is, uh, stuck on a hill and they they know that they can do more or be more and they want to maximize that they want to uh have a bigger impact whatever so that could be um i've been in this role for a few years and i feel like it's a cul-de-sac or my company What's has grown great question it, it they're not in a pathway of promotion anymore um they're not uh they don't have a trajectory that in their company is uh going to keep growing as much as they want it to. They feel like there's already some ceilings that have start to, started to develop. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a ton of those because I tend to work more with uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. And for them, it's going to be more like my company, I've had it for this many years, and we've grown like crazy. I just want to build a healthy, stable leadership environment in my company. I want to really make sure I'm doing that well. I want to really enjoy my work more. I like it, but I want this company to be more of an expression of who I am. I want our culture to be uh, something that's a more true expression of who I am. Sometimes those people have an option where they could sell their company. I've had a number of people where the crossroads they're at is, I can sell this. Should I? Should I cash out? So let's help them figure out what they really want to do. Some need to do that. That's, what, that's where they're at. Some want to keep it because they enjoy the mission and they enjoy developing people. Um, so for some people it's stuck on a hill and, and they need to get past that. It's a relationship that really hurt them, a business partnership that's going sideways, you know, that the founders don't get along. I mean, I've started working with some companies where it's just negotiating and mediating messy founder stuff. They're stuck. Then some people are like, I like to say they're in the turn to use this car analogy. And if they learn how to shift correctly in that turn, they're going to accelerate their speed. 
And that's going to be, be the people that, should I exit the company? Should I keep it? Uh, hey, I feel like my business is dialed in, but I don't have any romantic interests because I've kind of killed that part of me. How can I make good relationship decisions? And so they're either seeking to get unstuck or activate something. No, that, I think that's a great way of putting it. So just to kind of recap, you've got people coming to you who say, I'm feeling like I'm at a dead end in my job and I want to keep growing, but I'm not sure it's going to be here. Uh, what should I do with that? Maybe it's the same thing in a relationship. Um, you've got people who maybe they want to end something. They want to sell their business. They want to end a relationship. And then you've got people who are in a transition, whether it's negotiating with other founders. Um, they've already started a business, but they're trying to jump onto it full time. Um, they're in the middle of that turn and they want to make sure that they can uh, make that successfully. Um, so I think that's like kind of a great overview there. Now, let's get to how... Um, and, and I think we'll bring this eventually to sort of maybe one or two specific examples. But what is the program that you lay out for somebody that fits with all those different types of people um, to help them through that? And that's the 12-week program that I've been through. Um, but can you explain? You've got you've got these different types of people. They've got they're stuck or they want to make a transition. Um, and what is this program that you lay out for them that helps them through that? Yeah, totally. And and it also though does depend on the size of the organization. So largest size we worked with 1500, smaller, medium, 50, you know, around different sizes. So if it's the leader and they go through the 12 weeks, then what's going to happen is they're going to go, I want you to take this to the rest of my company. And I usually can't obviously work with all those people one-on-one. -on -one. So what we do is we do some group stuff too, but I'm going to help the leader first and foremost through our 12 weeks figure out how every part of their life, uh, wherever they get anxious, they start looking in and they're going to start making, they're going to send miscues to the culture. They're going to un unintentionally build something they don't want to see happen. And they're going to start making anxious decisions. And whenever you make an anxious decision, it could be a right or wrong decision, but even the way that you go about it, it's going to be caught from people around you. So we want so, to get them relaxed. So the first thing is recognizing you, you've got a new client. You recognize, and this is for people who are listening, who are trying to, maybe they're recognizing right now that they're in a transition period. They want to start something. They're in the turn. They're stuck on a hill. And that's kind of want to break it down like this. But the first step that you always bring to people is they need to take stock of where they're at and figure out where there's anxiety. And is that in any different part of their life? Is that the right way that, of, of summing yeah, that up? Totally. I, I just want to help them figure out where any pain point in their life is because I can use any pain point and help them connect the dots and open up insight and understanding into every area of their life. And so very quickly, the first thing that I do, I like to use a weightlifting analogy. Um, it's like if, if you showed me your form on the squat, with no weight. I'd be like, dude, David can do a squat. Dope. Actually, a ton of the human population that's first world country at a certain age can't. And, and you know, functional health just gets lost. Right. But show me your form. Okay, no. So you could do a squat. Great. Now let's get the bar. Awesome. Now let's put weight on there. Okay. The more weight I put on that bar, the more stress you're under, your form will break down at some point. And I want to see where your form breaks down because that's where there's an imbalance, and we want to get you whole and strong. 
And so that's what I do with people. It's the worst part of what I do. I love pe- helping people feel amazing, but the worst part is the first step where I have to help them see where their form breaks down. And so the first week I'm going into that pain point and helping them feel it and see it and hear it. So they go, oh, my knees are actually, the you know, the muscular structure around my knees is underdeveloped and they're buckling in under all this weight. So by living with a lot of pressure, a company to build, relationships to maintain and grow. I'm actually deforming who I am just every day that I live because so, this weight. So you you get together with them and if you're someone who's listening right now, you can do this on your own as well. I would advise they uh, try to figure out if they can go through some of your programs or something like that just because I've got so much benefit out of it. But if you're at home, the first thing you want to do, and this is what you help with leaders, coaches, CEOs uh, to do is you try to look at each area of their life and figure out when the pressure turns up with a relationship, when the pressure turns up with how they interact with their number two at their company, when the pressure turns up when they have to deliver a project, which areas are the ones that are breaking down? And that's kind of the first step. So someone could even do this now themselves and just say, I want to take stock of each area of my life and how, how would I go about maybe if I'm, if I'm going to do this at home to do this stress test? Because that's what it sounds like is you, totally. you, you come in to assess um, with this stress test and that's going to figure out where you can um, improve the most with that client. Yep. Ask yourself this. If you're sitting at home listening to this, ask yourself, then what? So I'm afraid that I don't have this project at a high enough level that we're going to win the the client then what the client will get mad and not do the deal then what uh we won't have the money then what and i just ask then what until people get to whatever it is their bottom is and everybody's different and sometimes it's positive so i guess what i'm hearing is that i'm taking stock of my life and i say i've got you know my personal relationships i've got my career i've got my side project i've got my community and i say you know i'm afraid i don't have enough uh friends in my area well then what well i should probably just sign up for some few local events because then i could meet people and that's like an easy answer for me therefore it's not that much of a stress um, now there's certain areas where I might say, then what, then what, then what? And each answer gets progressively scarier and scarier. And like, then I'm going to fail. Then I'm going to be depressed. Then I'm, this is not going to work and my whole life will fall apart. Are those the areas that when there's more and more than what's, and they're more and more scary, is that an area where I know is breaking down? Yeah. It's, it's the idea of the stuck or the acceleration. So if they're afraid of something, there's a reason that they're stuck. You know, if they're not afraid and they're like, oh, I don't have friends, I should go sign up and make friends, then they're not stuck there. So mm. the, now, now, the so look for the fears. Look for the yep. fears and then ask, okay, so I'm taking stock of my life. Um, I want to, I want to improve. I want, um, I want to get out of uh, this stuck place or I want to grow faster or I want to make a big transition in my life. And the first kind of step for this self growth is, figuring out where the fear is, what fears do I have in certain parts of my life, and then saying, then what, to see what might happen uh, from that fear. And the more kind of uh, fears that are associated with each statement, the bigger area for growth uh, there is. 
Totally. Yes. Just keep on digging down till you find that root. You know, so we've used driving, we've used weightlifting, let's use agriculture. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you've ever like moved a plant around, you just keep going down till you get to that root. Now, for some people, though, uh, the plant is flourishing. They don't need to dig down. They're really happy with some part of their life. They just want to make sure it's it's as far as it can be for them. Mm. They want to want to amplify that result that they're already getting. Well, that's pruning, right? Pruning doesn't happen to mm. plants that aren't, you know, blossoming and bearing fruit and growing. Pruning happens to keep the plant as healthy as possible. And so for people that are in that place, and, and those come also, um, when we're starting out chatting with them and working with them, we're looking for the places uh, that because they have this this result that's really awesome, we just look for a place that they're overlooking, that they've taken for granted, that they think is dialed in, and then I'm going to stir up a little bit of angst and fear and pain by letting them know they don't control as much as they thought. So and that, now we get to that pruning. That could be somebody where maybe they own a small local business, they have a bakery, it's doing great, they just want to keep running the bakery and their fear is that maybe it's going to go under or something like that. And the pruning you're talking about is you helping them recognize there's some areas right now of your work that you should just be dropping entirely because they're not supporting where you're trying to go and you're only doing them because you feel like you need to be doing them. Something like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Everybody has these narratives of I should do my business this way. I shouldn't do my business this way relative to the things they pay attention to in their industry or the people they value. Well, let's strip all that away because should and shouldn'ts can get you far down the path, but they do not keep you on the path in a way that you enjoy it. Okay. So I'm, I'm in a transition period. I'm stuck. I want to get out of my job. I want to maybe leave a relationship. If I'm trying to really figure out what I really want in the situation in a hard decision, the first thing I can do is take stock of where I'm at by looking for different fears. Where is there fear in my life? I'm scared that if I break up with this person, I'll never meet anyone again. Well, then what? And you're going to pursue that through. Now, it also might be the case that you need to prune some things for your life from your life in an area that's maybe even going well, but you just want it to grow even further. So step two is potentially saying, and this is where you said the should and the should not, where am I feeling like I should be doing something that I don't actually need to be doing? And those shoulds are usually like, because business has always been done that way, because we've always... Um, you know, done our books in that manner because we always do a Monday meeting at 9 a.m. Um, and so for the people who want to grow but are feeling like they aren't on that trajectory and they're just like, it's going well, but it's not growing as fast as possible, usually from what I'm hearing from you, usually it's because they feel like they're, they're, they're doing something that they just feel like they should be doing when they don't actually need to be doing it. Absolutely, yeah. Like you get to either get permission from people that are ahead of you that give you new ways of thinking about it and doing it, or you're going to just find that within yourself, your own creative inspirations and your ideas, and you're like, all right, I'm going to let myself do it this way. Um, we, I was listening to uh, an interview with, about, with Kanye West where he was like talking about one of his albums, and he didn't want it to have a four-on-the-floor dance beat in it, right? He just knew that really strong. He was like, this has been on other albums. It's been popular in rap for a while. This was a few years ago. I don't want this to be on my album. And, and that's a... That's a place where he's owning what he wants. Now, I can talk about in a very, very deep, simple way why he wanted that. 
and and it's a it's a philosophy actually that Nietzsche gave, but we don't have to get into that camel lion child thing. Uh, but but it's crazy when you peel back the layers and you're like, oh, I I've thought that I always had to do it this way because this is how my dad taught me to drive, and my dad. Well, what if I actually rode with somebody one time that used their left foot for the brake and their right foot for the gas? You don't do that, do you, David? Just no, curious. No, or a bash I just use my, I, yeah, I just use whatever foot I feel like that day. I, <laughs> you keep your mind fresh yeah. by never locking in yeah, exactly. one foot to use. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Uh, I was putting together an Ikea piece of furniture and I was hammering with my left hand and I was like, I'm opening up a part of my brain that I don't normally <laughs> use. Anyway, that's too weird. Uh, so if you grew up and your dad always did that or your mom always did that, when I mean, your dad or mom taught you to drive, they were like, you use your left foot for brake, right foot for the gas. In your mind, that's completely normal. And then you go to the mechanic and the mechanic is like, I don't know what you're doing, but you wear out your brakes 80% faster than anybody I've ever seen. I've got to watch what you do when you drive. And he gets in the car and he watches and he's like, what? Use your left foot for the brake? Like, that's not how you're supposed to do this. Cars aren't designed to work that way. Um, well, you didn't know that. And right now in the world today, more of that's happening than ever before, i.e. something we talk a lot about, the internet. Uh, this exposure to lots of different ways of doing it. And so what a great time to really make your own path. And it might be the path others have taken. It just may not be uh, what others have taken relative to your world. I can't tell you how many times, I, I'd say at almost every growth point for me in business and with my personal life, it came from me doing something that I thought was the right way to do it and then realizing that there was a better way. And almost always it was like the easy, natural first way I found how to do something was not correct. Like I'd say this point is just so important that – and I think this analogy is very useful in thinking about it in that way in that whether it's how we interact with our relationships, whether it's how we run a business or lead our team – whether it's how we decide what career path we should be on, many times we were taught to drive the incorrect way for us because there isn't a one-size-fits-fit-all. Um, and I just think this point is so important because I can't tell you, it almost sums up my entire growth in business and life has been many steps where I said, oh, you don't use your left foot on the brake. Why did I think that was normal? And it's just because we fall into these natural patterns. So I think that's a great, great example. And I really appreciate you bringing that up. I think that's super clear. So uh, we we're breaking down these steps. People are maybe taking stock of their life and figuring out where is the fear here? And what do I think is going to happen based on that fear? Or the next piece, which is what are all the steps that I'm taking? What are all these like actions mm -hmm. I'm taking that maybe I didn't really think about that much when I started taking it either because someone taught me a long time ago because I just thought that was the right way to do it. Maybe I read it somewhere and they said it was the right thing to do. And in that way, maybe I'll start to see that you could do things differently or you could find somebody like a mentor or a coach who's going to show you that you shouldn't be maybe uh, running things in that way. Can we take another step past that? Like is, or, or is that where all, is all the work in that, um, showing people how to drive sort of correctly for them? Um, or does it go, is there more steps now? Yeah, there's a, there's a next piece and this really kicks into the resiliency that you were talking about mm. at the beginning, the mindset to be unstoppable. And that is welcome 
every moment, whatever the moment is, because that's the gift. Like, so I woke up Tuesday morning and I felt kind of tired and flat and numb. And, and I'm like, all right, this is where I am. I know why I'm in this place. I just did the biggest production effort I've ever done. Why I feel this way, I get it. Um, but, but this moment right now where I'm sitting, if I don't pay attention to that, then I'm going to miss some things today because I'm not going to be with people in the conversations or I'm going to be uh, in an insecure way rigid about running to get some rest tonight, you know, running my schedule in a way that I, that I just get to check out for the evening or whatever. I've got to recognize, you know, now that I saw the fear and the should and the should nots, recognize how all this is driving me. And I don't have to be afraid of any of the conclusions I come to. Everything is a, like a gift to wake me up. I had an email yesterday uh, that somebody responded back to the email that I sent out. And she just said, because uh, I talked about how you got to master transitions to be present in between moments. And she was like, I'm sitting in my meeting uh, you know, at the company and I find myself distracted. And then I feel bad and I don't hear what's happening. And then I come back to the meeting and I try to focus, but I would rather think about the things at home than in this meeting right now. Well, you've got some systemic cultural issues there you know, how that company is being run. I always think it's a leader's job to make a meeting interesting. Um, a funny story I like to tell on that is when I was a kid and my mom would cook something I didn't like. And I was like, I don't want to eat this. This is disgusting. When I, when my mom made chicken pot pie and there were peas in it, I was like, this is not pie. It has peas in it. My dad was like, you're going to finish your food. It's this war, you know, and you're eating it cold. A leader's job is to make a better dinner. <laughs> um, and so I would have never said that to my mom. But the idea is as leaders, we make better dinners. So there's somewhere something happening. But for her issue specifically, I just told her, welcome the moment. Don't be afraid and feel bad. Don't go, oh, I suck. I'm not being present. Go, hey, I'm not being present. And I noticed it. Let this moment flip. And now let me look around this room and find something fascinating. Let me notice the breathing pattern of the person that's being spoken about right now in the meeting. Let me notice the body language of the person leading the meeting. There's like a million things going on that are so fascinating that you can train yourself to see and are going to aid you and develop skills. Don't beat yourself up for what came out of the fear or the should or the shouldn't. It's all something to welcome. Notice it and then go, all right, this is a moment that I can use to grow me. I think what you're talking about is the positive cycle of self-improvement. And I think it's easier to get into that mindset when you've already got some wins in this process. Um, but I think it is a critical point of every every problem that comes up is an opportunity if you see it that way. Every time where something happens that bothers you, that's an area where you can improve it. And I think that's a critical piece is getting onto this positive flywheel where you are looking at life in that way. But I think to get there, it takes some of this growth, um, some of the maybe return on some of the changes for you to start seeing the world in that way. Um, and you know, I'm grateful in our work together because I feel like that's part of what I gathered there. Um, I, I want to get to some specific kind of examples, and I think I'm going to ask if you can uh, maybe provide three different stories just like that. Cause I think that was a great, just like real example there. But before we get to that, um, is it easy for somebody to adopt that mindset of any struggle, any fear, any, um, thing that pops up today that stresses me out? 
there's something in there. There's gold in there for me to turn around. Is it like, can somebody turn on a dime and start to look at the world like that? Or is this a process? Uh, great question. Definitely a process. And and here's the, here's the difference that I have with like a lot of self-help that I would call hype. It wants to get you hyped to a reality that isn't yours yet. And that's not how change works. So that's why we started with the fear or the should or the shouldn't. You're noticing and accepting reality. So right now there are people listening to this that are having a circumstance that is just terrible. And there's nothing they need to look at that circumstance and be like, oh, I'm so glad this came into my life. You know, as a father of, of kids, I think that's become very real to me that you just go to some dangerous, uh, hard places sometimes that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know my kids struggled so much with this. And, and you find out that they do and you're like, there's no way you want them to struggle or suffer. And that hurts and that's bad. Or you get fired and you weren't, didn't know that was going to happen. Or the market changes for your business. And what was a killer business a year ago now like is gobbled up by some feature that some other company added and you're not needed anymore. There's nothing in me that finds any help from being like, yeah, glad this happened. Um, I wish people could have seen my arm. <laughs> but so, yeah, glad this happened. You don't have to be glad about that. You just accept that, okay, this happened. This is reality. This is what's going on. Now, how can I cultivate something from it that's going to help me grow? And, and if you can accept reality, okay, that's that, that's that place that you settle. You relax. See, people that aren't relaxed and can't settle in with whatever the reality is, they either, in a victimizing way, keep themselves stirred up on the loop of that, that pain, or in the hype way, they're trying to jump past it too fast. We settle with it. This is what it is. This is what's going on. What can I do now? It's a great distinction. So it's not about being happy about every problem that comes in your life. And there are things that just totally suck. But no matter what, it's better to just accept it because that is the reality of what's going on. And the mistake that people make, which you just outlined, is either one, they try to ignore it and act like it's not there and, oh, I'm past it. It's no big deal. We're all good, even though they're still in pain. Um, or the other thing is that they really dwell. And instead of accepting it and moving forward in a relaxed way, they just dwell on this problem and let it be a much bigger thing than it needs to be. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for me, I'm not a counselor. And so there are some people that might be listening to this that truly have a brain chemistry issue uh, as the seasons change and serotonin dips, you know, all of that starts to affect things. And so, you know, if, if people are needing help to function, seek professional help. Typically for me, the people I'm working with, it's moving from functioning, you know, they're doing ba daily basic things to care for themselves to high functioning. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, this conversation would definitely apply for people moving from functioning to high functioning. Right. No, I think that's another uh, great distinction for the conversation. So I'll try to talk uh, long winded for a second while you um, think on some examples, but what I want to get to is maybe, and they can all be fictional if you want, or based on people you've coached before, but let's, let's look at maybe three different areas, um, of, of people who you've helped. So maybe one with relationships and that could be a relationship to their business partner. It could be relationship to their spouse, um, a marriage, something like that. Maybe that's one example we'll dig into. And I just want to hear kind of like how they came, um, to work with you or, you know, what brought them to you, 
what you worked on together and where they ended up. So I think, you know, one is maybe marriage or relationship of some sort. Um, one is a career change. Um, so, you know, they want to leave a job. They want to start their own company from leaving a job. And then the third is someone who's just improving upon the business they already have. They're growing the team. They're, um, they want to reach that exit or, you know, 10x their company. Um, so you can start which, with Let's do which, it. whichever one um, first comes to mind. I'll kind of, you know, continue to guide it. But relational, um, how do I grow what I already have and how do I transition out? Um, so just yep. any fictional story. How do they come to you? Um, what did your work look like together in a simple sense? And um, where did that kind of get them? Dope. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll change the names. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, the a couple that uh, I'm super close with uh, when I first started doing this work um, years ago actually came to the house and had me walk them through the site shift paradigm. I didn't even call it site shift at that point because they had hit a point in their relationship where uh, like certain conversations around money would create an anxious state. Uh, and the, all of a sudden there's not a relaxation in the relationship. There's a tension and this tension all of a sudden is triggering these patterns. And now Heads are budding and it's just awful. And so it affects every part of their lives. So they want to meet with me, help us get unstuck here. And uh, what we did was discover what's happening in that moment. What are you afraid of? One's afraid she's not. there's not going to be enough in the bank account for them to feel safe. And the other one is taking it personal like, oh, you don't think that uh, I'm making enough money so that you can feel safe. So one thinks – bad about their performance and the other one feels bad because there's not enough in the bank account. So all what happens now is these fears just fire off each other. And so we've got to get underneath what's happening. That is at the deepest level what's happening. Now we also have to build a new pattern and trigger. We'll come to find out uh, when, for the wife, when parents would argue about money uh, as a kid, the dad would usually take it out on her. And there were just you know, it was just bad. So every conversation of money is a trigger back to that. She's not 35 experiencing this. She's seven. She's eight. That's what her brain thinks. Um, because the more powerful experiences you have with your brain, the more your brain goes back to those. So we've got to get underneath the fear and we've got to break the pattern and build a new trigger. Um, is that what you mean? Is that a good example that's perfect. of that? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah. And, and this also illustrates, um, and I'll let you keep going, but we talked about earlier, you start working with someone, you, you find the fear, um, and that's where you start working on uh, how to kind of improve from there. So I think great example. Keep going. Yeah, that fear is the root, and so that's what we go for. Like what, what is this stirring up in you? Uh, another example of um, – I'm going to merge two, two real examples and make it a, a fictional one. Mm -hmm. um, but two people that cared for each other a lot as friends and co-owned a business um, – and the business had done very well and had made it through a couple of pivots to be the market leader. Um, but as happens, people change. You never stop changing. And they did not get along anymore. And uh, when both of them would sit down with me, I would say to one of them, listen, he likes you. Listen, he likes you. It's not that he hates you. It's the same as in a marriage. These fears are bumping off each other. You're angry and upset because the work you started out doing now looks very different and you feel like um, you don't have the unique place in the world that you did before. 
Um, and, and we got to the bottom. His core fear was that, you know, I need to have a unique expression in the world. And now our business just looks, looks like a lot of other businesses. And the other one is like, are you crazy? We're the market leader. Look at how well I've performed. Don't you, uh, don't you get excited and fired up about the great job that I've done guiding us through some of these choppy waters. So neither of them are hearing each other. Instead, it's a million conversations that go sideways with all kinds of subtext uh, that aren't even the real issue. And so then they come in to meet with me and they think it's an issue of disagreement of hiring, difference, disagreement of org chart, disagreement of the allocation of the budget, disagreement of is there an exit point, when do we want to exit? No, it's these two fears. So we've got to get those fears figured out. We get them relaxed, get them relating healthy, and then we find out how do we emerge with a new pathway. And that pathway oftentimes is one might buy out the other one. That pathway might be reallocation of roles and resources to let one you know, really pursue some passion and interest that could still be a legitimate revenue stream for that company. Um, and sometimes it's, let's fold the whole thing. Let's sell it because being secure in who we are, this is what we need to do. Um, so that would be the second scenario. Any follow-up questions? On yeah. That? Yeah. So you, um, you find that what's really going on and you say, I know you guys are having all these struggles with the business and through these conversations, you figure out, oh, it's not that he's really that uptight about the budget. It's that he wants to be working on this when instead now he's working on this. And you figure out sort of what's really under the surface. You bring that to attention. They have these conversations. Once those conversations are had, I guess it seems like it'd be pretty tough at that point to actually get to that positive conclusion, the positive next step. How are you bringing people to this place where they can actually agree or or have this like positivity thereafter, and the same would maybe go for the marriage example of they're not um, you know they're not kind of connecting well around money in the business in their business or money together. Um, after you surface those fears, how are you creating a conversation that actually leads to a positive outcome? Yeah, it's it's funny because for most people, the hardest part is actually getting to the truth of the fear. I don't know of stuff out there that'll lead you to the real truth of the fear. Um, what's really going on? That takes me if I'm if I'm with somebody and they're being open and not holding anything back about 15 minutes, just because mm, of pattern recognition. Quick, yeah. I've done this for like 10 years, and so it's like, okay, here's the fear. The next part then is how courageous are they to Luke Skywalker up their life and walk in and to the cave and sword fight Darth Vader. Um, and, and if they'll sword fight Darth Vader, and let me be really practical on what that means, that means they are willing to understand that who they are is different from their job. And their identity isn't on the line with the job they're doing or not doing or their company or their role, the ways they would seek to define themselves. Uh, I actually saw a Banksy tweet one time that was like, Describe yourself, but you can't use any relational terms or roles from your work. Yeah, and and like go, uh, and that's you know kind of how I started on all this path of working with people. So to answer the question though, to get them into that positive mindset moving forward, it's going to be number one: Can you own your fear? Can you just accept that reality? And two. Can you see how it's caused you to act immature in some way, even if you're 1% of the problem? Um, in some way, you've been 
approaching this business relationship or this marriage with an aggressive edge to prove something, or you're hiding from asking for what you really need. Uh, like right now, David, if you were like, dude, I got to pause this. I got to go to the bathroom. I had some bad burritos. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and I would be like, dude, that's awesome. Great job asking for what you need, right? I'm going to affirm you asking for what you need. Um, and I use a funny example, but people have a hard time doing this. So we want to look for where's there an aggressive edge that they're trying to control too much or where they're not asking for what they need. Controlling too much or not asking for what you need, that's how we start building that positive momentum forward. You know that language is proving you're hiding. Yeah, that's that's how people build a bridge to actually have a positive conversation. I think you're right that it takes somebody being courageous to say, you know, the reason I'm freaking out about money, I now realize goes back to me being eight years old. I'm not going to um, be immature or I'm not going to try to control a situation at this point because I recognize that it's leading us to some bad outcomes um, and we have to figure out a way to sort of move forward. And it sounds like both people in these examples need to go through that same process for them to meet in the middle. And if they don't both through the, go through that process, then it, it is tough to make anything move forward. Totally. It takes two people to get healthy, yeah. uh, to get to get it healthy in, in a good direction with both of them. Yep. One can get healthy, and if the other one doesn't get healthy, the healthy one is going to have to practice boundary development and reinforcing those boundaries mm. and really giving the other person things to react to. Um, mm, and, and it doesn't always end well. It doesn't always end well. Uh, thankfully, you know, kind of my passion is to help set up people to at least cooperate with that process and we see a high rate of that happening because of a lot of intentional effort to to help them just relax you know it's a lot of what i do with wording and tone and stories and and all that uh third example about the person exiting out yeah and let's let's Um, give it to somebody who's just solo so somebody who's just by themselves got you somebody by themselves okay so what that would look like would be um they're going to come to me and they're going to be pretty well developed in their contribution at their company. Um, but as a whole, they feel overworked and underutilized. And that's some wording that a friend uh, gave me that I was like, that's exactly how people feel. Because <laughs> he was saying how he felt. And I've shared that with others. They're like, yes. Um, and I'm thinking of people that you've even shared site shift with that have come in through the coaching that fit this perfectly. Like they're developed they're aware they have a they have a growing skill set not an advanced skill set but a growing one and they are overworked and underutilized and what they're going to discover going through the process is that there's a part of them that hasn't been given oxygen they they starve it they they starve it of air they're like mm, i have this little whisper of a thing inside of me they can't hear above all the shoulds and should nots. The shoulds and should nots are so loud in their brain. It's all the reasons they can't, they can't, they can't, they can't, they can't. And so they're not taking the next courageous, vulnerable step to give who they are to the world. They're holding something back. That's and why they're we're going to go through in the process. Yes, exactly. That's, that's why someone might feel stuck. So if you're feeling stuck right now, if you feel like you're in this position that you're describing, that is sort of the heart of it. Totally. And because and once you're in a place of taking the next vulnerable step, Whatever that is for you, just keep taking the next right step. There's momentum. Before there's momentum, it's because that step hasn't been taken. And we're going to uncover the fear that blocks up that step. Once you uncover the fear that blocks up that step and you learn how that fear isn't real and how to totally relax your brain, this is the wildest thing. 
you can't help but take that step. So uh, I'll get that text months after I've been working with people and they're like, dude, broke up with my girlfriend, broke up with my boyfriend, quit the job. You know, they make those big changes. I literally the lights got turn on. Yeah, once the lights exactly. turn on, you, it's going to be there in the background and whether you're still there helping them or not, it's enough in the back of their mind that they make that step. Exactly, because I got one of those emails yesterday uh, and a guy made a major change relationally and it was the same kind of thing. He hasn't been in the coaching in a couple months, but we're going to so tune your awareness that you'll notice it in the smallest of moments, the big moments take care of themselves. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great uh, observation. And one thing I've noticed as well is that it feels good when you take the vulnerable step and it's a paradox because it's so scary before you take it. And so mm-hmm. I just feel like every major point in my life where I um, recognized that and was vulnerable with somebody I need to be vulnerable with um, made a leap that felt so scary at the time. Even just sometimes having that conversation feels so frightening, but when you do it, it feels great. You just have this like release. Um, and so it's almost this interesting paradox as well. Um, but I think now I'm maybe in a point in my life where I recognize that and I understand that taking a vulnerable step will feel good and it's a little bit more of a positive um, thing in my life. Even though there's still that fear and it never goes away, I know usually this makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, totally. My family was waiting on me to go somewhere a couple of days ago and I typed up an email to send out to the email list the the people that want to hear my words written. <laughs> and uh, so, I, I, David, dude, no lie. I'm like, oh, okay, they're waiting on me. I've read this three times. Let me read it one more time so I don't have anything in here that shouldn't be in here. Like, and I don't know what it is. Like, why am I afraid that I'm going to? And so I reread it like two more times, five times in. I'm like, I just need to send. So I hit send and uh, we're out and about and the email hits my inbox because I'm signed up. I want to see what the experience is like. And I open it up and I look at it and I go, oh, good. There wasn't anything stupid, you know, all of the things that, that we all struggle with. So I think for all of us, it's just being honest about the fact that anybody that's like, doesn't phase me, I'm going to take that, you know, no, they're afraid. They just aren't aware or kidding themselves. It's, it's funny because it's, you're right. What we're talking about in this conversation is not just the big moments. It's every day. It's sending that email. It's, there's always big and small areas of our lives where we can be vulnerable, not just the major plays as well. So I think this understanding and this learning, this process, which again, thank you because you've helped me become aware of a lot of this. Hopefully for those who are listening, you're starting to understand that there's more kind of going on behind the scenes. And if you can pay attention to it in the small ways, in the big ways, you can uh, make more positive changes for yourself um, to make that progress in your life that you're after. So uh, thank you for highlighting that. Thank you for teaching me. Thanks for um, showing Uh, that off a bit to the first four years community. Um, Can you give just a few ways people can find you or start to dive in? Like what's the early entry for someone who's listening to this and says, this sounds really interesting to me. I feel like this would be a big help. Where should they start uh, getting to know your work better? Yeah, the the easiest place is siteshift.com, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. They can go to the podcast uh, that's there at the website, the podcast tab, and uh, go to the first episode, episode one, Perfect. reframe everything, and they'll dive in as much as they want to. That's the rabbit hole. Awesome. Okay, so I will link up that rabbit hole 
Um, you can search for the Sight Shift podcast on iTunes. You're already in your iTunes player right now because you're listening to this, which thank you again for listening. Um, Chris, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I'm hoping I can have you back on the show at some point. You also have a new book coming out that I'm excited about. I don't know what the release date is for that, but it's the Stuck Book. Um, and when's, is there a release for that? Is there a website for that? The date was fixed. It's a little soft now because of a couple circumstances. By the time people hear this, uh, it will be live. So it'll be the oh, stuckbook.com. Stuckbook.com. Okay. Amazing. The stuckbook.com. The stuckbook.com. There is no other. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge uh, with everybody. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. Please review, subscribe. That makes me happy. You can always reach out, david at the first four years.com. That's the number four. Um, and Chris, yeah, thanks again, and we'll uh, speak again soon. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. Man.